0: From exploring the rich culture and history to discussing the challenges and joys of immigrating to a new country, this podcast offers a thoughtful and engaging look at life in the Western Balkans. Hello, this episode is a bit different from normal because I'm replaying a podcast episode that's not mine. Let me explain. Back in May, I was a guest on a fantastic podcast hosted by Slovenka Vukovic Bryan called Two Worlds, One Me. I think the podcast title is pretty explanatory, but basically my two worlds have been, and still are, the UK and my now-adopted home of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Now, many of you have asked me time and time again for me to talk about how I arrived here in Bosnia, and it's a long story, actually, but on Slovenka's podcast, I opened up for the first time. So here's my story.
1: Hello, this is Two Worlds, One Me, the podcast in which I, Slavenka Vukovic-Brian, talk to interesting people from all over the world who have moved away from the country of their birth to settle and live in another country. Every episode I ask guests about the worlds that make up their lives, and we have lots of interesting conversations.
0: My grandmother said, there's people broadcasting radio stations from boats. And uh, it was the ultimate theatre of the mind. I just used to lie there, listening not only to this wonderful pop music, but these disc jockeys talking about their lives on this boat, and you really got engrossed in it.
1: I hope you enjoy listening. On with the show. My guest today is David Bailey. David Bailey, or as he calls himself, Pejinovic Bailey. David is a former soldier and broadcaster. As a soldier, he served from 1968 to 1993 in Germany and the UK. His second career as a broadcaster saw him working for BBC and independent radio in the UK and for British forces broadcasting in the UK and the Falkland Islands. He joined the UK Army Reserves in 1996 as a media officer serving in Bosnia and Herzegovina from late 1998 to 2005. He then led media projects in Canada, Kosovo and Afghanistan, and after that as a media trainer in Ethiopia and South Caucasus. His base since 2005 has been a village in the northwest of Bosnia and Herzegovina called Čardaćani where he says he is happiest. Now, a couple of interesting facts about David. David climbed the two highest peaks in Ecuador back in 1989. He was awarded the Queen's Commendation for Valuable Service in 1999 and made an MBE in 2002, both of that for services in the former Yugoslavia. He speaks, he says, passable German. And he says he struggles with the languages of Bosnia and Herzegovina, though I know that he can certainly get by. Now, personally, I have discovered David through searching for interesting podcasts that cover the Balkans and the former Yugoslavia. And I listened to so many amazing and interesting conversations that he had with uh, lots of interesting people in the region and all over the world. His podcast is called Englishman in the Balkans. He also has a blog with the same name and Instagram as well. Welcome to my podcast, David.
0: Well, it's really, really nice to be with you today. I think maybe my weather is slightly better than yours. We have the trees outside are full of blossoms, which means we're going to have tons of fruit and we're going to be able to make litres and litres of of Rakia, which I think you (laughs) you will identify with.
1: Absolutely. I know what Rakia is. Yes, fantastic. Great that you have such wonderful weather. Well, it has been raining recently, although I think it's going to be sunny this coming weekend, which is fantastic. Now, David, what are your two worlds? How do you define your two worlds? My two
0: worlds are, one, the world that I grew up in, which was the United Kingdom. And my second world is the world that is now my home and will remain my home for the rest of my life, which is not only the Western Balkans, but a particularly special to me part of the Western Balkans, which is Bosnia and Herzegovina. And my second world, if you will, I always describe as a very heart-shaped, which Bosnia and Herzegovina is, but very misunderstood place. So those are my two worlds.
1: You say you were born in England. Could you tell us a little bit more about your childhood, where you were born and what your memories from that time
0: are? I was born back in 1953 in West London, in Mm -hmm. Kensington, Mm -hmm. in West Kensington, which at that time, just a few years after the Second World War, had a lot of large, spacious apartments. I remember that, flats. My father was a police officer. My mother worked for the London Underground. I just remember growing up in this massive flat. My father used to come home on his police bicycle and cycle down the hallway that went straight through where all the rooms were on left and right. It was amazing.
1: Amazing size for London. Yes.
0: I think when I went back last time it is now into seven small flats but back then it was one huge place we lived in the basement but i was able to look out of my bedroom and go to the windows in the early mornings to hear the household cavalry riding along north end road i always remember there was a a soldier in his great in his brown uniforms they sat in the Mm -hmm. middle on a horse and they had one on either side and they were exercising the horses every morning um and that has struck me forever i have to say that when I got to seven, we moved into the suburbs, a place called Hounslow West, which at that time was at the end of the underground, the Piccadilly line, mm-hmm. and moved into, I don't know, the quintessential suburban, three up, two down, semi-detached. And I suppose my life from what I remember then was being out where there were trees and fields. Yeah, I'm a London boy. I do get nostalgic at times you can't Mm -hmm. help it I watch Mm. tv here in Bosnia and see things like Morse and all the other Mm -hmm. police series and you know I can actually say I remember that street no that never used to be like that but (laughs) apart from that the nostalgia has has, is the only thing that connects me with home now I do have Mm -hmm. children from my first marriage but Mm -hmm. of course they too are, are like me they also have two worlds for each of them
1: Mm, How interesting that is that they also have that. So what are your earliest school memories?
0: I remember going to primary school. I was an only child then. My brother and sister hadn't come along at Mm -hmm. that time. They didn't come along until I was nine. Mm -hmm. But my earliest things, it was all about wearing school uniforms. I remember I hated wearing a school cap. (laughs) I was always anxious at school. I wasn't too fond of the regimentation of it. It was mm-hmm. very regimented back there I was a bit of a, a boisterous boy A bit of a little devil, I suppose And that has been with me through the whole of my life And I was always getting into what I would consider Just like silly little things, making fun Drawing funny pictures on the board with chalk They had corporal punishment back there I saw the cane more than I should have done Which was very painful Oh dear, yes Yes that jaundiced my attitude towards my education. So, my primary school is where it started, and then it went on through secondary education. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. maybe that is the reason that I joined the army at such a young age that I did.
1: Mm-hmm. What did you want to be when you grew up? What were your first sort of thoughts? Oh, I would like to be. In
0: no particular order, train driver, pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a soldier, both my. Grandfathers have been in the British Army. My father, during the Second World War, had annoyed the family by joining the Royal Air Force. I always felt that the best storytellers in your life are your grandparents. They're the first ones yes. that, that tell you those stories. Yeah. say here that grandmother tells you the story of your country, but very rarely is it factually correct. It's full of legends and myths and <laughs> things. But I, I had this thing about being a soldier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And my father said, that's a lot. You'll do that over my dead body.
1: Why was he not interested?
0: I I think because it was the attitude that my grandfather, his father had had to him. His father had served in the Great War in the trenches Mm -hmm. and did not want his son to go through Mm -hmm. the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when the Second World War came along and my dad was of age, he ran away and joined the Royal Air Force and said, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not going to be in the trenches, I'll be in an aircraft. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's a lot of danger, right? Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that my dad didn't want me to go through the same thing. But I, yeah, I had been not indoctrinated, but massively influenced by both my grandfathers. One side of my grandparents were Irish that had left Ireland during the early 1920s. My family were what they called free staters. They weren't total Republicans. So they came over. So I had this huge Irish impact. I've managed to have a, a recording <laughs> of my Irish grandmother and I play it. It's my party piece. I play it. And people here, for example, in this country and back in the UK say, what is she saying? I don't understand a word, and, <laughs> but I understood it. So I had that. And I think my dad didn't want me to go through the same thing. So being a soldier was one. And <laughs> when I was 11, right. Um, I went to my Irish grandparents one Sunday and I was listening to this pop music on the radio. They had these old-fashioned valve radios, the things that you switched on and you had to wait two or three minutes Mm
1: -hmm. until they warmed up. Mm. And there
0: was this pop music. And, of course, back then in 1964, we didn't have pop music on British radio. We only had half an Mm. hour a week on the BBC. A lot of people Mm. don't understand that now.
1: Mm. So it was quite a treat.
0: Yes. And then there were these fast-talking disc jockeys, as I Mm -hmm. found out they were... And my grandmother said, there's people broadcasting radio stations from boats. And uh, it was the ultimate theatre of the mind. I just used Mm -hmm. to lie there, listening not only to this wonderful pop music, but these disc jockeys talking about their lives on this boat. And you really got engrossed in it. And I thought, I want to be one of these people. I want to do this. Of course, at the age of 15, trying to get a job on board a boat three Miles off the Essex coast was a little bit beyond me, so yeah, I opted to become an apprentice tradesman in the British Army at the age of fifteen.
1: Very young, but it it
0: wasn't all fun. If I were to be honest with you, there was a Mm -hmm. lot of bullying, and Mm. I had to grow grow up quickly. But yeah, I stayed there from Mm -hmm. the age of fifty until I was forty.
1: Wow, that's amazing! Amazing. So, what sort of jobs did you do in that period?
0: Well, I joined the army as an apprentice electronic tradesman. That meant I went back to school, which was the thing I was trying to get away from.
1: (laughs) It always catches up with you in the end, the schooling, doesn't it? It
0: does, if only I'd known back then. I sort of like jumped from the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, I don't think I was too academically strong, if I can use that phrase. And before my course ended, I'd opted to change trade. They said, well, you can go to Germany and have a look at what other people do in the army. What would you like to do? I said, I'd like to be a surveyor with the Royal Artillery. Mm
1: -hmm. So I
0: ended up in Cella in Mm -hmm. Northern Germany, expecting Mm -hmm. at the age of 17 I was then to see what surveyors did. And would that be a good trade to learn in the army? Except Mm -hmm. I ended up for six months on the streets of West Belfast, Mm -hmm. which was my actual coming of age. That's Mm-hmm. where I learned about life in six months. It was 1971. That was a difficult time, 1970s. Pretty traumatic. My unit had the first deaths from the IRA, and we were being bombed and all the rest of it. But in all honesty, then at the age of 17, I was living a Hollywood action movie. It, it wasn't until it was all mm. over that, and I came down from it, that I realized, goodness, David, do you realize what's just happened? Mm. My perspective mm. on life changed for that. I then became a mechanic. I went to a place called Hildesheim in Germany Mm -hmm. to work with self-propelled artillery. That's where I met my first wife. Mm -hmm. Then I moved around fixing tanks until I realized that, yeah, I didn't want to be a mechanic anymore. I went back on another course to England. Elke, my wife at the time, Mm -hmm. moved with me and rebellious David, as I was in the army. I think I Mm -hmm. spent more time on restricted privileges than I did having a normal life. I just used to enjoy winding up everybody in the army. It was just like, I had to do it. I was a sergeant major's nightmare, or actually a sergeant major's dream.
1: Mm. To have somebody
0: like me in his company was like a gift from heaven.
1: Yes, breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh
0: air. I used to hate all these sergeant majors, and I just wanted to make their lives more miserable.
1: Mm.
0: Funny old thing, though, I progressed up the ranks very quickly, and Mm -hmm. in 1984... I was Mm -hmm. the youngest company sergeant major in the British Army. I'd actually been what I really detested. Quite Mm -hmm. weird.
1: Mm, How interesting is that? But what is it that made you rebellious? What do you think? Why do you have that need to be rebellious?
0: That's an amazingly good question. I just find that, you know, everything being regimented stunts you as a person. I'll try and explain it by saying that when I left the military, I went into... Mm -hmm a career where you needed to be creative Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and it was there that the penny dropped with me that at school in -hmm. the military Mm -hmm. being creative meant that you thought for yourself that you had an opinion Mm -hmm. and that you wanted to change things
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and that doing that rocks the boat Mm -hmm. and society doesn't like people normally who rock the boat Mm -hmm. and so Maybe that's why I was always being caned at school. Maybe. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I felt that it it stunted people. I needed to rebel against it. It was like listening to these radio stations. These Mm -hmm. guys on boats were rebelling against the British establishment. We always said when I was a kid that we had free media. We didn't have free media. Mm -hmm. BBC told you, you know, you didn't listen to pop music all day. You will get 30 minutes of pop music a day and you'll be grateful Mm -hmm. that you got it. Mm -hmm. So I suppose I identified with that. Now, at the age that I am, the wrong or the right side, depending on what day of the week it is, of 60, I'm still rebellious. People Mm -hmm. laugh at me. I wear odd socks. I wear Mm -hmm. coloured odd socks. Some days I shave, some days I don't. Should I shave? I don't know. But I get, I don't know, perverse pleasure of watching people say, really, you should shave. (laughs) And I like to say, why? Why?
1: Mm. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I love the creativity element. I really do love that because they do say that education kills creativity. I don't know whether you've listened to Sir Ken Robinson when he talks about this as a very famous TED Talk where he really gives examples similar to what you just illustrated, that You know, you you want to be a little bit different, but you get smacked on your fingers for that. Or you want to do something that is fun, different from what you're being told at school, and it somehow should not be done. And by not letting people use this force they have within them, which is a creative force, you actually, you know, by educating them, you're killing that creativity. By killing creativity, obviously, you're not gaining different insights into the world that, that you can. So it's a very interesting TED Talk by Sir Ken Robinson. And I can certainly see you as an example of that. So, David, then how did the world bring you to other countries than Germany? How did you get into Ethiopia and other places?
0: I, well, I finished my army career that had been based mainly in Germany and the mm-hmm. United Kingdom back then. Yeah before the wall came down, some of my friends in the military left the United Kingdom and, apart from going back for the occasional course, spent a whole 25 years in Germany. Mm-hmm. There are some soldiers that, having done that, they never came back at all. I've, I've talked mm-hmm. to a few this week, uh, people that I mm-hmm. knew, and I said, did you ever go home? And they went, no. Nah. But after my military career, I'd kept in touch with media. I'd volunteered with the British Forces Broadcasting Service. It's a really long story, but to cut it short... I got offered a job at British mm-hmm. Forces Radio. Mm-hmm. Someone said that I had some talent, and I mm-hmm. applaud them for that because I was able to do the second thing that I wanted to do as a boy. Some mm-hmm. people don't get the option to do even one thing they wanted to do as a child, mm-hmm. and I've done both mm-hmm. of mine for that. I think mm-hmm. I'm I'm a very lucky man. Mm-hmm. So I went there. I worked in London presenting mm-hmm. radio programs. Then I went for a seven-month detachment to the Falkland Islands. That was quite an eye opener I didn't I I mean like most people I always thought the Falkland Islands as a boy was north of Scotland right I never understood that it was at the south of Mm. South America so Mm. I managed to go there and yes at that time I was working as well for independent local radio BBC and independent I fell into hard times I tried to set up my own media business only Mm -hmm. to realize that I had no business acumen at all ran out of money very quickly and got myself into a bit of a stitch Mm -hmm. and looked for a way out, and that was to join what was then the Territorial Army, Mm -hmm. who accepted me in as a media officer. I just wanted to go and be a sergeant major somewhere, to be honest with you, but Mm -hmm. they said, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got these media skills, will you join this group? It's called the Media Operations Group. They don't exist Mm -hmm. anymore, and I did an interview and was accepted, and so during the weekends and two weeks a year, Mm -hmm. I used to go away and do military stuff as a captain. Mm-hmm. They commissioned mm-hmm. me. I, that was quite, quite a shock. But nevertheless, I enjoyed that. And I noticed that my colleagues, some used to be away for months at a time. And I said, well, where are they gone? And somebody said, oh, one's in Rwanda or one's mm-hmm. somewhere else doing these special projects. And I said, well, how do you get a special project? And the major said to me, well, David, you just asked me. And I said, I'm asking, <laughs> have you got anywhere for me to go? And she said yes. In three weeks, we need a spokesperson in Sarajevo, in mm. Bosnia Herzegovina.
1: And what year was that?
0: This was this is nineteen ninety eight, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, "I'm your man." Mm-hmm. So I went home to a very disgruntled wife. My marriage was not doing too well at the time. Mm-hmm. I said, "I've I've got myself a job as a media spokesperson in Sarajevo for six months." Yeah, and I arrived not in Sarajevo. Mm -hmm. but a place that I'd never heard of called Banja Luka. It's the second biggest city in Bosnia-Herzegovina.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. At
0: the headquarters of the multinational division, the framework of which was British. I said, so when do I start my media spokesperson's job? And they went, there isn't a job like that. We want you to uh, get the BBC news, rewrite it, put a spin on it, attribute it to the BBC, and then get it out to local radio stations. I said, I'm really sorry, I can't do that. It's morally, ethically and legally wrong.
1: What do they mean by the spin?
0: Well, I think we take it now. It's like create fake news.
1: Oh, right. Okay, right.
0: I, that's what we call, we would call it now. Right, and I right. said, no, we I'm not going to do that. I'm not prepared to do that. Mm-hmm. And one of the officers that had briefed me on doing this said, that's not the answer we were looking for. Mm-hmm. I then saw that. I was going to be sent back to the UK, except the general said, Mm -hmm. well, what do you think we should do? Yeah, and I said, well, (laughs) knowing how senior officers worked, I knew how to answer it. I said, first, general, I need some time to think about it and to come Mm -hmm. up with a plan. He said, good, Mm -hmm. that's what he was expecting to hear, right? (laughs) And how long will it take? And I said, seven days. You never say one day because nobody comes up with a plan in one day. you You can't make an appreciation of the situation, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So I said, yeah, well, let's work on an idea. And I went back and said, we're going to make a one-hour music-based radio show talking about what the Stabilization Force is doing in Bosnia and Herzegovina. It'll be done mm-hmm. in the local language, and then we'll put it on CDs. Do you remember those things, CDs? <laughs> and then we'll send it to radio stations around the country, mm-hmm. and we'll pay them to play it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's, that's what happened. It was called Horizonti, which means Horizons. And it was an hour long and I found a young girl who was an interpreter with a very Mm -hmm. bubbly personality to present it. Mm -hmm. And everything was going gorgeously until 1999 Mm -hmm. when NATO bombed Serbia Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: nobody wanted to take the program. So what Mm -hmm. to do? And the general said, well, nobody wants to take it. What are we going to do? And I said, well, it's quite easy. If you have the money, I'll put a transmitter on the end of the studio and let's turn it into our own radio station. So we did. And from those let's say, mid-1999 and to 2005,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: there was a radio station broadcasting across the north of Bosnia-Herzegovina. It was called Oxygen, mm-hmm. a word that worked in each of the three languages of Bosnia-Herzegovina, mm-hmm. which is strange, isn't it? You know. We have 4.5 million people in this country all up, and they mm-hmm. have three different languages, which actually, mm-hmm. in my humble opinion, are all exceedingly similar, apart from the occasional word or whatever. Yes. But it worked for them. And I created a European-sounding radio station with young radio presenters playing Mm -hmm. the latest Western music, nothing local, no Mm -hmm. news because young people didn't want news. Mm -hmm. And we gave them talk shows where they'd have platforms to discuss what they wanted, not what the international community wanted. And Mm -hmm. it was an outrageous success.
1: Give me some sort of idea of what the show was about. What would you play?
0: We were the first radio station in the region that I wanted it to have an impact. Nobody Mm -hmm. played the music that they wanted. We had a computerized system in. Mm -hmm. We only had 250 songs. It's a bit like Heart FM in England at the moment. Mm
1: -hmm. So the music
0: was very familiar. The presenters were very fast speaking. They only spoke for 35, 40 seconds between music. That was during the Mm -hmm. day to keep people occupied. We broadcast Mm -hmm. 24 hours a day. But every evening we would have a three-hour talk show Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. would put topics in that We felt we could get responses off the younger people. The British military have this approach of key leader engagement. Mm -hmm. So you talk to the older people, Mm -hmm. right, which is a recipe for disaster because old people do not change their minds. So the young people were going to do it. And to give Mm -hmm. you an example, we're trying to get ethnic tolerance between the young people who have come from families that have had yeah a nightmare of an experience for three and a half years during the conflict so what do you do mm. how do you get them to talk to each other so we came up with things and this is my example why is mm-hmm. Bosnia so useless at football when okay. the former Yugoslavia had one of the leading football countries in the world right and of course this is a topic why are we so useless at football and mm-hmm. these young people are ringing in saying well we used to be one of the top five footballing nations in the world, right? But mm-hmm. now we have six different mm-hmm. football yeah. teams because the country had broken up. Yeah. Just remember, that we had this guy, this guy, this guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of the, the people said, and if we had people like this, again, it would be fantastic. Now, this listener, this young man that rung in mm-hmm. was from a, a town called Priador, which is not mm-hmm. too far away from Banja Luka. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty Serbian, in a way. Mm-hmm. Mhm quite extreme Serbian place in a way mm-hmm. I'm being diplomatic mm-hmm. here right okay and the next person said let me tell you the football he was talking about was a muslim we don't need muslims and there was this all anti muslim rhetoric and my mm-hmm. presenter was there quite scared we had the microphone down and i said dragon just go with it and just do at the end of this what mm-hmm. I told you to do, please. When this man had finished this vitriolic outburst, Dragon said, well, you have the right to have your view. I don't particularly agree with it. And here's Alison Moye, right? And there's mm-hmm. another piece of music playing. Mm-hmm. And then the next person ran in and said, I come from Priador, I'm a Serb. And that is a person that's giving us a bad name. <clears throat> we should all be working together. It's the only way that we're going to take this country forward out of the mm-hmm. horror that our parents left it to us. And then it just mm. rolled on from that. And we learned from situations like that
1: mm. how mm.
0: healthy it can be for young people to discuss. It's mm. not for us mm. as internationals to put them down. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. the basis of the radio station. And then I brought Boy George over, who's a DJ at the time. Mm. And we tried to open the window because that's what people
1: wanted. Yeah, giving them a platform to voice their views. To see how
0: younger people were doing things in the Western world. And when we talked about corruption, we would never have examples about Bosnian political corruption. We would find mm-hmm. stories, for example, from Canada.
1: Mm-hmm, you know, to the world. say to them, you're, mm-hmm. not, you're
0: not the only people. Other people mm-hmm. do it too. And this is how they cope mm-hmm. with it. So that was my Bosnian experience. Mm-hmm. I had in 1993 dropped into the country for three weeks and experienced a bit of the horrors. So when mm-hmm. this... Mm-hmm. Task was given to me in 1998. I was able to identify Mm -hmm. with it. 2005, Mm -hmm. I left. I went to Canada. I was invited to Canada by one of my former commanding generals, who was a Canadian. Mm -hmm. We set up a radio station, just like Oxygen, but a dual language radio station, Dari and Pashto, and we Mm -hmm. broadcast into Kandahar province to try Mm -hmm. and do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Were we Mm -hmm. as successful? Jury's out on that. Mm -hmm. After that, then I went to Kosovo. Mm Once again, trying to replicate what oxygen did it
1: mm-hmm. didn't work
0: there. I'm being mm-hmm. totally honest. Then I spent a year in Kabul
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
0: having had missiles fired over me mm-hmm. three or four times, I thought that the joke had run thin by then, mm-hmm. and I wanted mm-hmm. to come home and home yes. was was here. People wanted me to do media training, especially digital media training and I went to Ethiopia that's how I got there for a four week opportunity to to work there, and then did a two-year project visiting the countries of the South Caucasus, Georgia, Azerbaijan, and Armenia. But I was always based here,
1: mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. to
0: and from, making fleeting trips to back to Germany to Oberammergau to talk mm-hmm. to NATO. So mm-hmm, that's how mm-hmm. I was tripping mm-hmm. around the world, doing something that I love. Once again, mm-hmm. a very, very mm-hmm. lucky David.
1: Yeah, sounds like that, Yes. With obviously different challenges you've had along the way, you were always able to take the path that you actually enjoyed and liked and have passion for. I expect that at that point you found new love as well as new country. Is, is that correct? 2005 ish? Would no, that be?
0: 2002 ish, actually. Okay. I managed to stay as long as I did with the army. You could only normally mm-hmm. do six months, and then you had to leave. Yeah, In exceptional circumstances, one year. But this project that I was doing was going so well, and and I proved that continuity was the key, Mm -hmm. that I was kept on in uniform. But at the end of it, they said, you know, we can't do this anymore. We'd like to re-roll you as a civilian working for the British Army. Mm -hmm. And I took that and had moved off the base, Mm
1: -hmm. behind the Mm -hmm.
0: wire no longer. And that was very good for my work because I actually got to see the truth of what local people were going through, how they lived. I was fascinated by Mm -hmm. the culture anyway. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then I met Tamara. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had a radio program every Sunday, right? The reason I did three hours on a Sunday was I had to do it so that my team knew when the boss said they'd done it wrong, that I could do it too. I believe in leading Mm -hmm. by example. And Mm. at one of these parties, I said, if you ever want to come up and say hello, do that. And somebody did, but we were in the middle of rigging up this outside broadcast. I think I was a bit short. I was polite, but I was a bit short. And this person left and walked away. And I just felt so guilty about it. And through quite an unusual way, Tamara said, well, you owe me a coffee. (laughs) And as you said before (laughs) to me, and the rest is history. Yeah, so we were together 17 years. She'd been married before. We said we would never do it again. And then one day whilst watching Netflix, we both decided to get married. So, yeah. Fantastic. So So yes. now I'm here, married again and equally happy. So, again, yes. David is a very lucky person, right?
1: Absolutely. Sounds like it. Fantastic. Life has a mysterious way. So now... That settling in period in your new environment, how was it? How were you accepted as a civilian there? How were you accepted as a local in Bosnia?
0: I suppose the first way to start answering this is having to react to the question, are you an MI6 spy? Which I laugh at now, but it took me some time to Mm -hmm. work on that. Look. The people, the people of the Western Balkans, my humble opinion, are the most, the most hospitable people mm-hmm. in the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And regardless of your background, and I, you'll know this word yourself, Slovenka, I am a Stranets, I am a foreigner.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether, mm-hmm.
0: whether I will be totally accepted before mm-hmm. I die, I really don't think that will ever work. Mm-hmm. I can go a huge way to being accepted. Right, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. truly, one hundred percent. I don't. I don't think I could push it that far. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. people accepted me and were confused. Why confused? Mm-hmm. Because they would say, "David, we're all trying to run away from this country, and you come here. Mm-hmm. What?" Mm-hmm. And I say, "Well, yeah, because you don't understand that You have this beautiful life. Yes, mm-hmm. do you all have money? Of course, you don't." Mm-hmm. Is there Mm -hmm. huge amounts of political corruption? Of course there is. Is the country totally dysfunctional? Without a shadow of a doubt. Mm -hmm. But you have the most beautiful country here with eight microclimates, Mm -hmm. more waterfalls than Germany, France, Italy, Spain, and Portugal put together. Mm. Everybody has fruit trees. You know, you go to the market, everything is fresh. Yes, Mm. the tomatoes might not be totally round, But when you bite into them, it is definitely not something that you get in Tesco's in Reading. You know, Mm, you actually mm. taste something and Mm, you have mm. this. Don't you understand that you have family values that we've lost back where I've come from?
1: Mm, And mm, this confuses
0: mm. them. For me, initially, I was very frustrated. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, you book a holiday. It may have cost you two, three, four thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. And then your second uncle twice removed has died. Well, in mm. Britain, we would send a card and say, "Here's my condolences," and you would disappear mm-hmm. on holiday. Here, <laughs> you turn up at the funeral. Mm. Who mm. cares about mm. your holiday that mm. you know that you've lost all the money on? Because mm. they're so family orientated,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and mm-hmm. I found that exceedingly frustrating to start off with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, why mm. do we have to, Tam? Why do we have to go and see your mother again? We only saw her yesterday. Because <laughs> because that's what we do. <laughs> my uncle's having coffee with some friends and he wants us to be there. Mm-hmm. I've got some work to do today. Mm. And, and she never says this, but, it, you know, you can see her eyes saying, read my lips, we are going to my uncle, right? <laughs> yes. and, 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 and so you do. It's taken me the best part mm. of my first 12 years to get that far, get to understand mm. that, to anticipate mm. what is going on.
1: Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: Because my neighbours look like me to a degree mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. dress like me.
1: Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, that is where
0: mm-hmm. the similarity ends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the the thought pattern, what they prioritize is not. I now prioritize the same as them. Strangely, I'll admit it.
1: Well, oh, that's interesting. I was going to ask you, has that changed? So you said you were initially frustrated with all this. Does it mean you no longer are? Eighty percent, I no longer am. Mm-hmm, there are mm-hmm. still still sometimes
0: when my my Britishness, if I can put it that way, mm-hmm. comes out. But it it disappears within five or ten minutes. There Mm -hmm. are things that I am obligated to do, and Mm -hmm. I have to do it because up until recently, I used to call myself an Mm in-betweener. I -hmm. I was not a tourist, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't a citizen. So Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. live in this particularly cocooned world culturally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have the best Mm -hmm. of both. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Mm -hmm. for Easter – Mm-hmm. Here in the village or, or or here at home, we have Easter lunch for my immediate family. So Tamara's mm-hmm. immediate family, Tam will make hot mm-hmm. cross buns mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people like eating hot cross buns. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have lots of Britishness in, in, in our meal mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: as best as we can. And we also make 40 percent more food than we can consume because... I have to give it to my neighbours.
1: Yes. Right?
0: (laughs) So that will go out there. So that's my Easter. But you do know that in 10 days' time, we have a second Easter because my village is Serbian Orthodox in the main. So I have to be aware of all these different things. And I accept the fact that my Mm neighbours and my my family here now, my Bosnian family, they don't Mm -hmm. necessarily understand what I'm about
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: So I have to accept that because I'm in their country. Mm-hmm. Right, They love it. Yes. I mean, her niece, Tamara's niece, she's now 19. When we came to English Easter's up until she was 17, there's mm-hmm. East Egg Hunts in the garden. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. all this, which does not happen here.
1: No. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So there's the two cultures. On yes. the 6th of May, mm-hmm. here, in my house, all my neighbours, everybody's coming. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it's a coronation mm-hmm. of my new sovereign, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and they love that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to illustrate the fact that I jump between two cultures, and where I know mine pretty well, I'm now year on, year on, year on, learning mm-hmm. more about how I should behave, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. I can no longer say, Oh, please excuse me, I'm English. I can't get away Mm -hmm. with that anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very, very interesting. What I find also quite fascinating is that you are wanting and you feel the need to keep and showcase your culture to the locals too. Is that right? You like to show them what your culture is and share so that they can understand you better and see where you come from.
0: I do it because
1: mm-hmm.
0: people, in, especially in Bosnia and Herzegovina, and I am generalizing, mm-hmm. they, they have the inability to understand that they could have caused their own problems. It's always uh-huh. somebody else's problem. Uh-huh. Somebody uh-huh. else did this, and that's why we're uh-huh. in the situation that we are. And sadly, uh-huh. and sadly, the United States of America and Britain are normally the major culprits. Look what you have uh-huh. done. Mm-hmm. you know blah 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 i've tried to say well no that's not the way it is mm-hmm. and that's never worked and so i tried to say you know our my culture is not an unhealthy culture where i come from it mm-hmm. has plus points for example mm-hmm. my serbian neighbours at one stage said that you you know brits you hate serbs and i'm saying well i don't know how you can say that because mm-hmm. we're related right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the crown prince is a distant relative of today's British sovereign, King Charles. He was at the funeral of Queen Elizabeth and he attending the coronation. And then they come and they, like, when when I remember when Prince William got married, all my neighbours came and they said, what's Cara Georgia doing there? And I went, mm-hmm. because he's part of the family. I told you that we were related.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And then mm-hmm. now they sort of like come off it and they they now say, I understand it. And it was quite surprising that my Bosnian family, who mm-hmm. are multi anyway, within this multi framework of Bosnia, they're multi mm-hmm. within multi-culti. When, when Her Majesty, <laughs> on the day of Her Majesty's funeral, they were here for the whole 12 hours watching it mm-hmm. on British TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And asking mm-hmm. questions. What, what about this? Mm-hmm. What about that? So
1: people... Did that feel good for you to see, see that sort of kind of support to some extent?
0: Yeah, I looked at it as being that now you understand me a little bit more. Now mm-hmm. you understand mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. a little mm-hmm. bit more. And like Tamara said, what are we doing for the coronation? Right? Mm-hmm. I never brought up the subject. So you can see mm-hmm. my mother said, what's David doing for his king's coronation?
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: So it's like Mm. they've accepted me with my cultural baggage because I accept that, well, they don't have baggage, they're in their own country, right? But you know what I'm trying to say?
1: Yes, yes. Well, that tolerance and that sort of culture sharing is crucial, I think, for anything to work. Yeah, yeah. So how do you define home? What is home to you, David?
0: Home for me is where I feel safe and where I feel as happy as I can be, as a human being. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's only been the last five years, I'll be totally honest with you. But when Mm -hmm. I have flown back to the UK Mm -hmm. and descending through the clouds on the approach into Heathrow, Mm -hmm. I no longer have a heartbeat.
1: Oh, okay.
0: that That raises and says, oh, look at this. I no longer point out to myself, oh, yeah, there's the O2. Oh, there's, you know, and places that I remember.
1: Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. look
0: outside and there is no no feeling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But on the return journey, although I can't fly into the aerodrome at Banja Luka, I descend into Zagreb. And as we come through the clouds, my heart starts mm-hmm. to beat. Mm-hmm. I'm home, and I know, you know, that the housing is built slightly different in Croatia to what it is here in Bosnia Herzegovina. I understand mm-hmm. that. And then when I land, and when you get into arrivals, and you start hearing Croatian. They're all familiar sounds, although the Croatian language is slightly different from the Bosnian language. I know that. But the thing is, it's that whole, how do you Mm -hmm. say, familiarity comes back. I'm sure that if anybody was to observe me, my shoulders go down. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling less stressed. Mm. Then I get on this rickety old bus that goes for three and a half hours from Zagreb back to Banja (laughs) Luka, where they play the most, please excuse me, the Rodna Musica, folk music (laughs) in Bosnia, can drive you into an asylum. And it's uh-huh. turned, and nobody can—they don't understand moderate. It's either cranked up on that radio, right? Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I spend three and a half hours, and where uh-huh. I used to be irritated by it, now I actually hum along to some of it. Can you oh, believe that's that? Wow!
1: Int- <laughs> yeah. Wow! Amazing, David! Wow! So it's all about feelings, isn't it? The home is all about feelings for you.
0: It is. I've been living something and trying to put a, a word on it. Bosnia-Herzegovina has got a lot of influence from the 483 years of occupation by the Ottoman Turks. So mm. that is reflected in the wonderful food that is mm. available here. Mm. And mm. to a certain degree, a lot of words that are, were left behind when mm. they left. Mm-hmm. And one of those is called chafe.
1: Mm. Yes, yes. Tell me a little bit about chafe. Yes. Chafe
0: is this, uh, I think the modern Western word for, or phrase rather, for chafe is living in the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So.
0: Sitting down with your coffee, and if mm-hmm. you're enjoying your coffee, you don't want to be disturbed. You're chafing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I could use that word, and you sit there for one, two, three hours, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So, for me, I have un- unknowingly adopted a pretty chafe lifestyle. I am <laughs> less stressed every day. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's me basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very interesting. So I noticed in your blog that you recently visited your mum in Norfolk. How does it feel visiting your family?
0: Yeah, my mum's 94 and getting frailer by the week, but that's life. I go up there, I see my mum, and she likes to reminisce. She's in that part of her life where it's all just living in the past. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I go back, and we talk about what it was like years ago. The house is just like it always was. She did live and still lives in a doll's house. You know, it's immaculate, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. clean even at her age, and all Mm -hmm. her knick-knacks and everything else like that.
1: Does that feel sentimental to you at all? Do you feel connected to that at all?
0: Less less sentimental now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, She came to Bosnia-Herzegovina on two occasions, so she knows Mm -hmm. what life is like here. Mm -hmm. She knows that this is where i'm going i suppose for all those years when i was in the military you know when i left at 15 i was an independent soul
1: mm-hmm.
0: my mom and i have had this very special connection she's over the moon when i come back but she's not d- disappointed when i leave i had thought at one stage how would i ever cope if she says please don't go please stay
1: mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. she's never done that
0: mm-hmm. she still wants to give me things that i can take back and i I take them and then I leave them with somebody because at the moment you can't take all the liquids and the foods.
1: What does she give you? To oh, take? she,
0: you know, take some sausages. I bought uh-huh. them in Tesco's or whatever, and I'm saying, uh-huh. no, you can't take meat products. Mm. Oh, you'll find a way. You always have. Mm. Well, David can't find a way through customs with that, right? But she still mm. has this maternal thing mm-hmm. for me, yes. which, is, which I find typically mum.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But... Yeah, when Mum has gone and it's not going to be too much longer, that will be the final, the final pin—not nail—pin mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. links me with with mm-hmm. the United Kingdom. There won't be any reason to go back anymore. And mm-hmm. yeah, might sound sad, but I don't feel sad. And mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel guilty about that. Maybe I should be more—not mm-hmm. like mm-hmm.
1: that. Mm-hmm. So when you think about these two cultures, predominantly two, although you've had Germany and other countries as well, it's a part of your life. So, But when you think of these two particular worlds, what has each of the world done to you? How have they created you the person that you are today?
0: I think from the United Kingdom, I got to understand about people can be what they want to be. Mm-hmm. Within their life, they have the opportunity that not a lot of countries in the world have to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. That, strange as it may seem with recent events, that the rule of law is dominant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I do feel that the British, regardless of all the problems that we've had, is still a country that cares about its people through the rule of law, and is reasonably socially caring. So. Mm-hmm. I like to have that in my attitude to people, thinking about other people rather than me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: From Bosnia Herzegovina, my other world, my newer world, is that I don't know. There's no pressure here, mm-hmm. and I like that. Mm-hmm. Although there, there is a a view from a lot of people, and I've seen it that. Balkan people suffer tremendously because lots of expectations are put on children. You will go to faculty. You will do Mm -hmm. this. You will do that. And if you fail Mm -hmm. at anything, it's um, shame on you. What will the neighbors think?
1: There is Mm -hmm. that. But
0: on the other Mm -hmm. hand, they have a much more relaxed lifestyle. I don't know if there's statistics to prove this, but my assumption is that people live a lot longer Mm -hmm. in the country where I now am than anywhere else, because even with all the stuff they've gone through, their stress levels are still lower. Mm -hmm. And I think that says a lot. That really Mm -hmm. does.
1: Why do you think that is, having gone through the war, through all kinds of changes, and still their stress levels are lower? What do you think contributes to that?
0: I think what contributes to it is a phrase that I hear so very often and a phrase Mm -hmm that I use myself very often. Why, why are mm-hmm. we in this situation? Blah, 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 blah. And it's this, which basically mm-hmm. translated is, it is what it is.
1: What it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
0: I think that word, you hear it so often, mm-hmm. it is what it is, mm-hmm. David. What can we do to change it? We just mm-hmm. get on with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, for mm-hmm.
0: example, mm-hmm. we have power cuts here in the village quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um You can be watching television. You can be in the middle of cooking something that is exceedingly special to you, and then Mm. it's gone. Mm. Initially, all those years ago, I would be ranting. Mm. How can this happen? This is the 21st century, blah, 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 blah. And yet Tamara says, huh, and immediately walks Mm. off, finds some candles, lights it. We have a wood burner Mm. in the living room. We set that up. We put Mm. some water on there, and we make ourselves Mm. some coffee. And we just sit down Mm. and we spend the next hour, two, three hours, you know, Mm. until
1: chafing (laughs)
0: chafing, and then the light comes back on and and, and the food Mm. is ruined and it is over the fence. (laughs) That's gone. We'll start again. Mm. When I was young, before I came to Bosnia-Herzegovina, I could never, I could never have had, you know, Mm. like, hey, laid back. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I am Mm -hmm. totally laid back, but -hmm. before I would have been ranting. Mm
1: -hmm. So having moved from culture to culture so many times in your life, do you regret anything?
0: No, I have no regrets about anything at all, because I've gone through different cultures, different experiences and everything. And Mm -hmm. I believe that I should enjoy that. I should take all the best parts that I've experienced and try to work on that. And totally ignore the negatives. I've picked up little things from, you know, Ethiopia as well. I've seen how some of those people live in awful circumstances and yet they smile. You know, they're Mm -hmm. sitting in a in Mm -hmm. a puddle of water with nothing, and yet they're Mm -hmm. truly smiling at you. And I, I I used to think to myself at that time, how how can you do that? I even felt mm. one day I didn't do it, but I thought I need to sit. I need to get dressed in my best clothes and just sit in a puddle for an hour and see mm. if I can smile. When things are getting on top of me, as they do with everybody, I sometimes think about that. You could be sat in a mm. puddle, David, with nothing, mm. and mm. all you're worrying mm. about is that you don't have, you know, there's, there is, mm-hmm. I don't know, something in in the flower. We have lots of bugs that get into the flower here in the mm-hmm. village, mm-hmm. and, you know, your, your four kilos of flour has gone bad. So what? Mm. Did anybody mm. die? No. Is it going to, Mm. it's not going to change anything.
1: Yes. Putting things into perspective.
0: Yeah, Mm. it it does. And, you know, I would, I say to my, my children who are grown up,
1: Mm. you know,
0: life is going to throw you curveballs. Just, just get on with it. Mm. But take Mm. all the the positives and ignore the negatives. I have no regrets Mm. at all. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's very important Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. having regrets just takes up more emotional energy, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's a negative sort of energy. You say that your children have also moved to different countries and have different cultures in their lives. Do you think you might have inspired that? Not sure.
0: Uh, My eldest daughter, Natalie, has lived in Hong Kong. She's back in the UK now, working. Her plan is that she's on the move in four years to join her Mm -hmm. sister. My youngest daughter is married. She lives now in New Jersey. I follow their adventures. I'm going to see them next month. My really? two grandsons now make fun of their parents and are about to make fun of me because of my British accent, <laughs> because they speak with a New Jersey accent. My eldest wow. daughter, my two granddaughters, Natalie is going to move to New Jersey. And my son, and I got a second granddaughter, another granddaughter yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I have a grandson there. So Christopher lives in Singapore. And, oh, wow. you know, so that, that they've done that. And I think that they're comfortable moving mm-hmm. about and seeing other things. Mm-hmm. And I think they're comfortable because of something that I didn't realize all those years ago. I said, you know, what it must be like being from a multicultural family. I mean, how how mm. how do people cope with that? And do you know what my youngest daughter said? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about, mm-hmm. Dad? We're half German. <laughs> and I had never, you're... ever mm. thought mm. about that. In my life. And I went, Mm, wow. mm, And when it came to Brexit, what are you going to do, Dad? I'm going to stay in Bosnia. What's the point, darling? What are you going to do? Well, if it all goes wrong, we can get a German passport through mum, can't we?
1: Interesting, because, yes, their mum is German. So have they visited you in Bosnia, your children?
0: Yes, they have. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: What do they think?
0: They just felt it was a blast, right? (laughs) They just say, "This this is like amazing. Look at all this. And... All the things, you know, I take them sightseeing and there's, there's wonderful things to see here. And the food absolutely is to mm-hmm. die for, right? Mm-hmm. So they enjoy that, but they enjoy having their own freedom, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I respect as well. So I yeah. will go to New Jersey, I'll spend 10 days with them, have a lot of fun and come away. I don't think they would sit comfortably living in Bosnia-Herzegovina mm-hmm. because... Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is so close and I think they like their space.
1: Well, there's no right or wrong. It's just different. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be your lessons from what you have learned in moving from one culture to another? What would you advise other people when they want to move away from the country of their birth to settle and live in another culture?
0: I think I would say to people that were thinking of leaving their first world to go to their second world is take your initial world thoughts and your cultural practices and put them in the suitcase un- un- underneath your clothes so that mm-hmm. you're they're the last things that you take out when you go to another country you are an immigrant mm-hmm. you have to understand that that your way of doing things isn't going to be the way of doing things where you're going to be mm-hmm. um, and that they, they are not required to change to accommodate you. You need mm-hmm. to change to accommodate them. Mm-hmm. And if you feel that you can't do that, then you have to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your life is going to be quite miserable. You won't accept language. You won't accept the way that they do things differently, how they hold their knife and fork, how they approach religion or whatever in their country, which is going to be different from what you're used to. I'm not saying you have to jump the line and, and to join them 100%, but you have to understand mm-hmm. that you're now the different person. And like for British people, not all of us, but some people look at others and say, well, they're different and they should be like us.
1: Mm-hmm, like you've mm-hmm. come to
0: Britain, you should be British. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. If that's the case, when you go to Germany, do it the German way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: and don't stand mm-hmm. up and, uh,
0: mm-hmm. and be different. And also mm-hmm. to accept that tolerance is really healthy, mm-hmm. really healthy. Mm-hmm. 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 And, mm-hmm. yeah, tolerance is, is, is where it is. This experience in my life, as I've had up to recently, I'm far more tolerant than, than, than I ever used to be. And for that, mm-hmm. I'm very happy. It's another reason why I say living in this village, I'm the happiest I've ever been.
1: So tolerance is healthy. Tolerate and do not judge people, open your minds, understand the locals, adjust, try not to change people. You have to adjust yourself. Is yes. that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I do speak passable German, pretty mm-hmm. good German actually, but with, with the languages of Bosnia-Herzegovina, whether that's Bosnian, Croatian or Serbian, mm-hmm. it is a struggle at times for me. Mm-hmm. I can talk to the family uh, mm-hmm. about politics right my mm-hmm. grammar is atrocious but mm-hmm. we get by right okay mm-hmm. um but what i'm saying is when you go somewhere different you try in your worst possible pronunciation to order a coffee with milk mm-hmm. and you could say coffee with milk and point mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you could try and say it in the language of the place where you're at knowing full well it's going to sound awful and that the pronunciation is wrong but if you mm-hmm. do that what's the expression of mm-hmm. the person that you've just asked to provide that, mm-hmm. they immediately mm-hmm. will say, they've tried, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. Right down mm-hmm. to the point that when I go out now, right, and, mm-hmm. and I walk into a, a coffee bar, for example, or a restaurant is a good example with Tam, mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. normally talking in, we've criticized each other only 48 hours ago about how we speak Serbsklish. <laughs> This This hybrid, this useless hybrid language that we have, in every, in every sentence, I'm telling you, there are two Serbian words that I put into it, and we speak English to mm. each other, right?
1: Mm-hmm. As we
0: go through, the, the, the waiter, the conobar, will, will have heard that, mm-hmm. especially if we go somewhere strange. And they mm-hmm. come up, and I'm talking to Tam, and I say, you know, can I have a coffee and, and the menu, right? And when they bring the menu back, they give me an English menu. Mm-hmm. And they're so surprised when I say, can you take, can I have a, can I have a local language menu, please?
1: Mm-hmm. Zasta,
0: mm-hmm. why? because mm-hmm. I can't understand what you've written in English.
1: Well, I, I can know.
0: read my local language, oh. and I know what I want off the menu. And they go, oh, he's yeah, a crazy guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that, that's, that's what I mean. You have to yeah. try and, and just get in there somehow, even though, yeah. like me, after all these years, but people will listen, and, and they'll understand. Mm. right? You're mm. a language teacher, and you know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love languages. So what is the most difficult word for you in the local language, Bosnia?
0: What is the hardest word for me?
1: What is the hardest? Yes.
0: Zelenitska Stanica. Stanica. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, 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 I, that's yeah. It uh-huh. But you understood uh-huh. what I said, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. well, that's the hardest Absolutely. word. Zelenitska. No. Stanitzer. Oh, well, well done. Well done. If that is the hardest, <laughs> you are sailing, David. You are sailing. Fantastic. Well, where will the future take you from here, David? Where do you see yourself in the future?
0: Well, yeah. I'm working on a project now. We we rent an apartment upstairs here in the in the village, and I've mm-hmm. it's hard work, but we're trying to get people to come and experience Bosnia-Herzegovina, the northern part of Bosnia-Herzegovina, mm-hmm. with a slow tourism mentality. So chief, yeah, right? Slow. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, chase, yeah. And I, what I want to, to achieve is to show more people this beautiful country so they can go away and tell everybody else that there is no longer a war here. You cannot mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. how many people in 2023 still think that there is a war on, that finished at the mm-hmm. tail end of 1995. Mm-hmm. I want people to see this, mm-hmm. to experience this, and for local people, especially in the village where I am,
1: mm-hmm. to
0: interact with foreigners so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. widens their view
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and to finish my time here. This might mm. sound morbid but mm. when tamara and i finally got married i said at the end of the day i think i've got enough money saved away that just find me a nice a nice home you know when i mm-hmm. start to dribble mm-hmm. and <laughs> she said well why don't we buy a car and i said but oh. no she said because david we don't do homes here mm-hmm. we look after mm-hmm. we look after people right mm. up to the end
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and i went what And then I thought back to when I first met Tam and there was this massive family meal, Mm -hmm. right? And there was a place at the head of the table and this little old lady was in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. and she sat at the end of the table. Mm -hmm. So I think she didn't know what planet she was on, what day of the week it was or anything, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yet she was there, not Mm -hmm. understanding or being aware of her surroundings and everybody was talking to her Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. if she was, Mm -hmm. you know, like she was. Mm-hmm. And Tam said, that, "That's what we do here. We look mm-hmm. after our family."
1: Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. that
0: that that I, I nearly choked up when I when I heard that. And I she said, "Whatever mm-hmm. happens, that's the mm-hmm. way it is." And so that's the mm-hmm. that's the world that I've come into, and that's the world that I will have when I move on.
1: Mm. Oh, thank you very much, David, for this fantastic conversation. i really, really loved going through your journey, through your life. And thank you so much for all the insights you've given me. Thank you very much for your story.
0: Well, I hope that it's been of some interest and that he has actually sat down with a coffee. And uh, yeah, even listening to this, you know, in an armchair through your podcatcher, wherever you're listening to this, You've just had, I don't know, an hour's worth of chafe. People will find it most probably, yes. My life has not been boring and it is unusual and I wouldn't have had it and I don't want it to be any any different. different. It's just me.
1: This was Two Worlds, One Me. Thank you so much for listening. Do let me know if you would like to talk about your worlds and share your story the email is hello at twoworlds.oneme.cafe you can also see all the details in the show notes come back next time subscribe so you don't miss an episode and tell your friends
0: well there you have my story of how I came to Bosnia and Herzegovina And I'd like to thank Slavenka so, so much for inviting me. I had a blast. And I really, really do recommend subscribing to Slavenka's amazingly interesting podcast, Two Worlds, One Me. And the link to do that is in the show notes for this episode. Please also do share this episode and maybe leave a five-star review on the podcast platform that you listen to this on. It does help tremendously. To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at
1: com. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support us and the production of future episodes, then please consider maybe giving us a tip or becoming a member of our podcast family. The link to do that is in the show notes for this podcast. Thanks again for listening. We really do appreciate it.
0: So that's it for this episode. Our podcast is available on all major podcast platforms.
1: And if you like this podcast, then please do leave us a review or send us an email. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.